What is up? Happy Monday. Happy Election Day in Canada. Happy Monday and everywhere else in the world. I'm sure there are other things happening. But anyway, weird intro. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you want to get in touch with me, you can on social media. I am at Primetime Klein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music you were listening to, provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram. Instagram at Waste Talent. There are X's where you would normally put A's. And you can also find the producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So that happened. Another week gone in the National Football League. We're going to get into some of that. We're going to get into some baseball talk as the playoff races continue to be a whole lot of fun. And, you know, college football, CFL as well. A whole lot to get into on the show today. But we will start with the National Football League. I think the big theme for the week, and it's something that I've heard a couple of times now in the last couple of days, um, uh, they they talked about it on the Move the Six podcast with Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, and then they talked about it on the Tennessee Titans-Seattle Seahawks broadcast on Sunday, and it is think players, not plays, and I think that's... I think that's an interesting way of looking at football now in 2021, because for the longest time, for basically ever, the strategy has been if you have a lead, you run the clock out. And if you are down, you throw the ball all over the yard. But we've seen a couple of examples now in the last couple of weeks as a giant truck drives by. (laughs) Um, We've seen a couple of examples in the last couple of weeks about how that doesn't necessarily need to be the case anymore. You you look back, the Chargers against the Washington football team in week one, they did what they said was through the clock out instead of running the clock out. They they were able to make some sure completions and able to wind down the clock and pick up a victory over Washington. And it makes some sense, as we, we have heard for a long time in football, oh, well, they just used a short pass game in place of a run game. It's like, okay, well, why don't they do that at the end of games? And I, I think it's actually, I, I think it's an interesting look. And when you have teams geared up, and this is obviously not real life, but it's I've been burned on Madden. You go with a, an all-out blitz, and they do a, a quick, wide receiver screen and they get a first down that ends up winning them a football game. Again, Madden is not real life, but there there is actually a bit of that that ends up being true. Um, and, and so I, I do wonder if we start to see teams take advantage of it. Case in point, Seattle in that game against the Tennessee Titans, they were having so much success throwing the ball all over the place. But then when they get down to trying to run the clock out, they don't have as much success, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, and they allow the Tennessee Titans to come back into that game. And then you look at the opposite side of that, and this is where I think it gets actually a little bit interesting. The Titans, again, common logic would suggest you are down by a couple of touchdowns. The run game has to go. They ran more in the second half than they did in the first half. At least anecdotally, it felt like that. Um, I don't think I said that right, but we'll just keep rolling with it. Um if nothing else, they ran more effectively in the the second half than they did in the first half. And this was exactly what you want from Derrick Henry. And again, we'll get to that game in a second. But specifically for what we are talking about, 
they and they, they use Henry in the passing game as well, a little bit more than normal, but they just went, they, they know what their bread and butter is. They, they are not winning a Super Bowl if Ryan Tannehill, uh, Ryan Tannehill is throwing 45 times a game. That's just not how the Tennessee Titans are built. It's how most teams are built. It ain't how they are built. And they recognize this guy is our best player. He is our best opportunity to win this football game. So let's utilize him more. They obviously have other weapons and they were able to pick up a win. But I, I think it's really interesting. And I think it could be a, a different way to look at football now in 2021. And there aren't a whole lot of different ways to look at it, um, to, to look at things now. Because everyone kind of tries to do the same thing. And one team has success one way. And you just roll with it. But I, I think now if you wanted to have have a team go against the grain, maybe if you are up late in games and, and say you're the, the Vegas Raiders, if you don't want to run with Peyton Barber um, with Josh Jacobs, very questionable for this weekend's game against Miami, maybe you throw a couple of short passes to Darren Waller or uh, a couple of passes to uh, a Hunter Renfro, guys who you are comfortable with in those situations. And a thousand other examples, if you're facing a team with a bit of a sketchy secondary, but a front seven that's giving you some problems, maybe you throw the ball a couple of times, I get weird things can happen, and it, again, if it doesn't work, everyone shits on you, and that's why no one does these out-of-the-box things anymore. But I, I, I think it's it's an interesting way of looking at things and one that I'm going to, to look at. Another example of this one, I, I just forgot this, but uh, Kansas City. Kansas City lost a football game when they had Patrick Mahomes and decided to take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And it probably wasn't the wrong thing to do. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not one who generally fumbles, but you have the most gifted quarterback maybe ever. And in a late-game situation, you're taking the ball out of his hands. Why? Because situations dictate. Well, maybe sh situations shouldn't dictate anymore. Maybe the caliber of the players that you have on your team and the talented players that you have on your team should be dictating that, and you just trust them to execute a game plan going forward. I thought it was interesting, and it's probably going to be something I look at as the, the season goes along. So let's run through these games, shall we? Uh, Buffalo with a 35-0 win over Miami. Our pick was Buffalo minus 3.5, so we just squeaked that one out. Buffalo didn't even seem to be on in this one, and they stomp all over Miami. I, th this one isn't a, okay, well, all is good in the world for the Buffalo Bills now. No concerns here. That, that's not where I'm at with Buffalo. I'm, I'm still... I would still like to see a complete performance from them because this game was still close around the half and then they end up curb stomping Miami late when uh, as Tua goes out with an injury early in this game. So I I'm still not 100% sold on the Buffalo Bills yet. On the Miami side, you guys know this was a team that I was high on going into the season. Tua, it sounds like he's avoided a dangerous injury, but I'll be interested to see again. They take on the Vegas Raiders coming up this weekend. This is a team that is one and one and can't really afford to fall behind in what is looking like a competitive AFC. You wonder if you let Tua have an extra week's rest to, to see. And Miami, obviously Tua has gives the team the best opportunity to win. But I, I would I I still I want to see more from Tua and hopefully we're able to see him a little bit more as the season goes along. Cincinnati taking on Chicago. Our pick was Chicago minus two and a half. They cover that with a three-point win. The Bears are saying they're going to stick with Andy Dalton. Admittedly, I didn't watch a ton of this game because why would I? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go back and probably watch it a little bit later on this week. But this is kind of where Chicago is, right? Like they, they beat 
the crap out of the bad teams. Now, they only win by three, but this game wasn't close for a lot of it. They beat the crap out of the not-so-good teams, and they lose to the good teams. Like, this is a very average team, and Andy Dalton is not going to elevate them. Justin Fields has the opportunity to. But if you aren't 100% sold on Justin Fields, we have seen rookie quarterbacks not necessarily come in and give the team the boost they need, but Justin Fields is the future of this team. They're there in practice, but... For Matt Nagy, he is absolutely coaching for his job, and to to have your job be in the hands of Andy Dalton seems a little bit questionable to me. But that defense looks good. Again, against high-level offenses, they're going to get picked apart, but this is a good defense. It's not the great defense that they've had in years past, but this is a good defense. Denver against Jacksonville. We said Denver minus six. They end up winning this one by 10. Not a whole lot to say on this game. Jacksonville is still really bad. Denver is still pretty good. This was never the part of the schedule where we were going to learn a lot about Denver. Uh, I guess we weren't going to establish a lot positively about Denver. If they slip on on a banana peel in this spot, then you start to get concerned about the Broncos. But these first three games, they have the Jets next week. Um, They had the Giants last week. You knew they were probably going to go 3-0 in this. My favorite scenario right now in Jacksonville is Urban Meyer is just like, fuck all of this and goes to USC. And we'll talk about the USC job a little bit later on. I think that would be hilarious. There's not a chance it's happening, but homeboy does not wear losing very well on that face. He is, I want to play poker against that dude. Houston taking on Cleveland. We suggested putting Cleveland in a teaser. That would have worked as they pick up a 10 point win. Cleveland might have the best running attack in the NFL right now, and I'm not breaking any news, but Nick Chubb might just be the best running back in the NFL uh, to a point where if you feel like you could find some depth elsewhere, as we're seeing a thousand veteran running backs going in, if you wanted to try to get value out of a Kareem Hunt and make a trade, um, that that would be kind of the asset management that I hate. Um, I, I hate that term, but may not be the worst because I, I think Nick Chubb has clearly graduated from a level of needing a high level backup behind him. Houston's just not very good. Like they're going to work hard, but they are just not talented enough. And you hope uh, Terod Taylor has avoided major injury because he's been playing pretty well. This is not a team that's going to have a ton of success this season, but you hope um, Terod is able to play well enough that he is going to, um, that, that he's going to find himself a job on a team that can be competitive. One team that might need some quarterback help was in this one as, uh, excuse me, Pittsburgh comes up with a loss against the Vegas Raiders. Vegas was plus six and a half in this one. That's the suggestion we made. They win outright 26-17. I was very down on this Raider team going into this season, but this was one of the things we talked about in the season preview. If you keep John Gruden away from the roster, dude's actually a pretty good offensive coach. And you could see they understood how Pittsburgh, a very good defense, admittedly without a TJ Watt, and that probably hindered that defense a little bit. So let's not read too much into this Vegas offense through a couple of weeks just yet. But this was a smart game plan. You know the focus is going to be on Darren Waller because that's where all of your focus was in week one. So, and specifically on that touchdown to Ruggs, you get just enough hesitation from the defensive back, seeing Waller on the underneath route that you can go over the top and Ruggs takes advantage for a touchdown. That's quality offense. And this Vegas team has that. I still don't trust the defense because we still haven't seen a team that's able to take advantage of the holes that they 
that I presume that they have in the secondary. Lamar Jackson's passing, I think, has got a little bit better, but not exponentially. And Ben Roethlisberger, when we're talking about exponential differences, his has gone in the negative in that way. It, he he just doesn't have it anymore. I I am of the belief that Roethlisberger is done. And if Terod Taylor is healthy, I don't think Pittsburgh wouldn't do it because... As much as I think Ben Roethlisberger is a shitty human being, that's kind of a shitty thing to do when the guy has been a rock for your franchise for a while. Like, ah, you don't really have it anymore. We're going to trade for your replacement. Unless there's a injury, wink, wink, to, uh, to to Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm not suggesting they Tanya Harding him, although. Hmm. But no, don't actually do that. But th- this is a Pittsburgh team. They have everything but the quarterback. And that has to be so frustrating. It's kind of like New Orleans last year. And I I think Drew Brees last year was way better than Ben Roethlisberger this year. The Rams taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Our thought was Rams minus three and a half. So close. Rams minus three. Uh, Or uh, it would have been uh, as they win this one by three. The the Rams come back to earth a little bit, but this is still a good win against uh, a game Indianapolis Colts team. But the Colts still haven't really impressed me. Like when, when they would score in this game, it was, oh, okay. Um, and I come away more times watching the Colts in the last couple of weeks thinking, are they just bad? Then, oh, well, this is a team that's going to be competitive. And I, I think we saw the Tennessee Titans again talking about them. I think we saw them kind of right the ship this week. So I I, I don't even know. Like the, you're probably going to have four wins this year from the Colts just based off of playing the Jags and playing the, the Houston Texans. But beyond that, this just doesn't look like a fantastic football team and especially doesn't, uh, especially doesn't, sorry, if there is no Carson Wentz or no healthy Carson Wentz. This is an interesting one. New England, uh, favored by six. They win by 19 over the New York Jets. First off, the New England side. They just outclassed them. Like they, they were... I still don't think they are in the top class in the AFC, but they're certainly not in the bottom. And New England showed that. And Bill Belichick showed that he can still coach up a defense against a rookie quarterback and just made Zach Wilson's life absolutely miserable. I still have major questions against what New or for what New England can do. I don't think New Orleans next week answers any of those, but that'll be an interesting football game to watch at least. On the Jets side, and this isn't Monday morning quarterbacking or anything like that, But I think the Jets are still showing that trading away Sam Darnold and going with Zach Wilson was the wrong move to make. And I I was on Team Darnold in this around the draft. And to a certain extent, I understand it from a Jets perspective. The dude's been bad for a while. Um, You kind of just want fresh start. And you have the number two overall selection. You are hoping you never have to pick in that spot again. So if you have an opportunity to line a franchise quarterback, then you do that. And if you think Zach Wilson is a franchise quarterback, then I suppose you do it. So from from that aspect, in theory, I think it makes sense. In execution, um, and I'm not just saying that because he threw four picks against New England. I don't know if Zach Wilson is franchise quarterback. No, I don't know if Sam Darnold is either, but I do think that the best has yet to be seen from Sam Darnold just based on the poor roster around him with the Jets. And I think that if you... A, get Sam Darnold the hell away from Adam Gase. B, surround him with anything, specifically offensive line help. Um, If you're able to do that, then maybe you get a little bit more out of him and you can use that second pick either to trade down with a quarterback needy team and get a number of different draft picks that you can help speed things up a little bit. 
I just, I feel like, and I said, again, I said this at the time, the Jets went from being a bad team with a young quarterback to being a bad team with a young quarterback. I I don't think they improved their lot in life with this draft. Now they have a few extra years on a rookie contract to figure it out, but I just, I, I am not liking the decision from the Jets. On that note, uh, Sam Darnold's 2-0 after the Panthers went outright as 3.5-point dogs against New Orleans. I feel real good about the Carolina call that I made, that this was going to be an improved team this year, and this was a team that was going to make some noise in the NFC South. I I don't know how much noise, and again, we're not going to establish it coming off of next week either because they play the Texans, but good for Sam Darnold actually showing up and showing that there is still a talented quarterback there. I don't think this means New Orleans is bad now. It's interesting that Alvin Kamara wasn't really factored, uh, wasn't really a factor in this game. I don't think that's going to be something that continues. I think that's going to be something that is looked at by New Orleans and kind of realize you have to realize again this is players over plays. Alvin Kamara is the best player on the uh, New Orleans Saints, and Alvin Kamara would be the best player on most teams in the league. Maybe not the one he was playing because Christian McCaffrey's a beast, but. I think Alvin Kamara needs to be more involved in what New Orleans is doing, even with them being down by a couple of scores. You just need to figure out how to get that guy the ball. For Carolina, the one issue I have is the goal line offense. Just from the the viewings that I have had, the goal line offense isn't spectacular. And it's just, again, well, you get to the goal line, you just have, have your boys play big boy football and run Christian McCaffrey right up the middle. It's like, that's not necessarily his bag. So I would like to see a little bit more creativity at the goal line from Carolina. San Francisco taking on Philadelphia. The Eagles back to earth a little bit. It does seem like they hung in this one. I didn't get to see a ton of this. So this is a game that I'm looking forward at going back and rewatching. But we get the win saying San Francisco minus three. Atlanta taking on Tampa Bay. A little worried about the Tampa Bay defense, but I I think that this is one of the... I I think this is the best team in the NFL right now, and at worst, they are a top three team in the NFL right now. Atlanta's in some trouble. And when we talk about your draft regrets or anything like that, I'm not saying drafting Kyle Pitts was a bad decision for Atlanta. I I didn't think it was at the time. I didn't love it, but I understood it. Um... At least that's how I am choosing to remember my stance on it. But for Atlanta, it is clear this team isn't it this year. And to not have a backup for Matt Ryan, or I guess a a next step from Matt Ryan, coming off of a quarterback-heavy draft that, again, I wasn't in love with, but a lot of people were, um, and you're going into a draft that is light on quarterback talent, that concerns me a little bit from an Atlanta perspective. You're now maybe a couple of years away from getting a replacement for Matt Ryan, and what are you going to do in the meantime? Just be bad? Um, Yeah, this is just not a very good football team, and they are now a all-systems-go when you are facing them from a fantasy football uh, perspective. Speaking of all-systems-go, Minnesota taking on Arizona. The Cardinals were favored by minus 3.5. That's the pick we went with. We ended up losing out on that one. Arizona almost lost the game, but thanks to a missed field goal for the Minnesota Vikings, they stick around for a win. Minnesota comes back to life a little bit, but you guys still know, I'm even with big numbers today, I am not a Kirk Cousins fan, and I, I don't believe in this Minnesota team. I have concerns greatly about this defense, but Arizona, it's a little bit tricky to, to slow that team down, but holy hell, did they put up some numbers. The running backs are a bit of an issue in, in Arizona, and I think that is kind of the next step for this team. They have a ton of receiving options, and I wonder now if they are one of those teams, they pass it 
as a substitute for their running game. But this offense can fly around. They are a must-watch every week. This is one I need to get my eyes on. Uh, Dallas taking on the Chargers. The Cowboys win 20-17. to I didn't see a ton from this game, and so the score both from a total standpoint and from a Dallas won that game standpoint, are curious to me. Um, that, that's a that's a tough loss, I think, for the Chargers. I still am not of the belief that Dallas is a good football team. And if you hold Dallas to 20, you should be able to win that game. So I, I'm interested to go back and watch and see where this one went wrong from a Chargers perspective. This was one that I got a lot of a viewing on. Tennessee taking on Seattle. The pick was Tennessee plus six and a half. We also suggested the over. Both of those hit. Um, and this is, again, players not plays. Derrick Henry, I thought in week one, they went away from him way too early in that matchup against Arizona and just were never able to get it going. And the thing with Derrick Henry is that by the time he gets to the fourth quarter, he is just running over everyone. And that is what he did. And this offense really started to pick up when Derrick Henry did. And he is going to be the one to carry this team going forward. This is not going to be Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball all over the place and them winning this game. It's certainly not going to be a defense coming up with big plays because that was one of the worst defense jobs we've seen in the NFL with just a couple of wide open, deep touchdowns. But this is a, it's a tough loss for Seattle to go out in front like that and to, to be controlling things and to seemingly be able to get anything you want in the passing game and then to still lose that game especially with how competitive this NFC West is going to be. Losing any games out of division this year feels like a waste. So th this is a tough one for a Seattle team that now kind of feels like they're the third best team in this division. Tennessee, the thing that struck me, this is not a good defensive team, and I don't want my uh, comments here to be confused as endorsements for this defense because they were bad. But this front seven came up with a couple of big plays late. Some pressures on Russell Wilson, some stops in the run game to help Tennessee get the ball back. So they don't deserve a ton of credit, but the, the front line for Tennessee comes up in a big-time way. Kansas City against Baltimore. This game was fun as hell. It's a wake-up call for Kansas City because I... I kind of think, again, they've been regular season-wise, they've been playing with their food for a year and a half now. And you just can't do that in the NFL. And especially with that defense, like you can't just, okay, well, we gave up 36. Guess we're going to score 38. That, that just, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be how this works. And credit to Baltimore for battling back in this game and picking up a big win. But to me, this is more Kansas City losing it than Baltimore winning it. That defense is a big problem. And again, talked about it last week. They have Tyree Kill and they have Travis Kelsey and they have Patrick Mahomes. They might have, at three important positions on the football field, the three best in the National Football League. But when you're trying to pick up a victory, Clyde Edwards-Alaire needs to be better than that. And th th that is my own, well, not my only, because the defense needs to be better for Kansas City as well. But the Chiefs aren't invincible. And I, I think they kind of act like they are. And this this is a team that I think needs to have a bit more of a killer instinct because the AFC is kind of snug this year. And I'm not saying, well, look out for the Raiders. Um, but the, the AFC West isn't going to be a cakewalk this year. And also home field advantage is going to be, I think, rather important for this Kansas City team in the postseason. So I, I think that killer instinct needs to be developed in this regular season, um, you just can't have losses like that. It's a big one for Baltimore. They desperately needed that. To go down 0-2 would have been a big issue, but, and this is probably the biggest win of Lamar Jackson's
career. They needed that. He is improving, and I'm believing in this Baltimore team a little bit more after that win. Back on Thursday, Washington with a win over the New York Giants. Um, Washington's defense isn't as good as I thought it was. And I, a lot of people saying, well, the poor competition late. It's like, I, I understand that, but I, I still look at the pass rush that they have and the talent that this team has on the defensive side of the football. This is still a talented defense. And maybe it's just, it's a Thursday night, whatever. But I, I, I need to see more from this Washington defense before I'm feeling confident. For Daniel Jones, I'm, I'm still not buying any of it. We talked about this a little bit on Friday's show. I'm going to need to see a lot from Daniel Jones before I'm buying him as anything with the New York Giants. Monday Night Football tonight, Dallas, or uh, sorry, Detroit, taking on Green Bay. Packers favored by a ton. I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. Let's stick with football, but of the three down variety. As the Canadian Football continue or the Canadian Football League continues on, Saskatchewan taking on Toronto. Though the Riders are a team that I focus on, uh, both I, I was going to say professionally. I don't know if I can say that necessarily yet, but um, for a few reasons, I focus on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and the, the main one is where I grew up and the, the team I cheer for. This was a win that Saskatchewan needed very badly because I think there was a lot of talk around the green and white about the struggles against Winnipeg. And this is a realization that people need to make. This is still the second best team in the CFL. And I still think the gap, we talked about this with the, the American League MVP, the gap between one and two isn't as great as the gap between two and three. I I think Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are in their own tier and everyone else is just kind of playing out the schedule. Like it it just, it really feels that way. I I haven't seen anything from anyone that is close to the level of football that either Saskatchewan or Winnipeg can play at, at a consistent basis. The problem for Saskatchewan is that they still aren't necessarily very close to Winnipeg. And how do they handle that type of a pass rush? And I, I thought Cody Fajardo was able to deal with an all right Toronto pass rush pretty well, but the the story to this game for me was the issues that Toronto has. And it's just the basics, right? Like they had major issues tackling and they had some issues with some drops and they had way too many issues with penalties that allowed Saskatchewan to, I I don't want to say hang around in this game because the Riders were the better of the two teams, but it prevented Toronto from hanging around in this game in a real actionable way. But I, I, I still come away from this one feeling good about Toronto because those are things that you should be able to figure out as the season goes along. Now we're almost, I think we are now, at the halfway point of the season, so it should be getting there soon. But we haven't had football in a year and a half and this is a weird year, yada, 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 yada. I, I think that some of those things can be fixed. And I, I think they've got their guy at quarterback. I, I think Nick Arbuckle... I always get concerned about, oh, this guy was one of the best backups in the league. Let's bring him in. Well, what have we seen from him? Well, he ran a bunch on third and one, and but boy, he takes a snap really well. I get concerned about those because for every time that it's worked out, there are a thousand of them where it hasn't. 
And I, I kind of questioned that one from a, a Calgary perspective, but you can see the growth in his game and you can see the arm talent is there. He is obviously a mobile quarterback. Um, a couple of those deep balls, just a bit too deep. And I, I said the drops earlier. This was something that it goes back to the Monday night football game last week of the Raiders and the Ravens. Oh, well, if he goes up with two hands, he makes that catch. Oh, oh, you need to make that catch. Like, you know, sometimes you need to make a better throw. Like, I, I feel like, Way too many times quarterbacks get the benefit of the doubt on pass it's behind a receiver. Oh, it's behind him, but you need to make that catch. Or don't throw it behind him. And there was a couple of overthrows on deep balls, but I do think those will come from a, a Toronto perspective. So I, I, I like quite a bit about Toronto, but I, I do come away with some basic fundamentals issues that if those don't get ironed out come November and this year, December, that's going to be a problem for this Argos team. Um, one more thought on Saskatchewan. They got to get this deep ball thing figured out because it's just, it still hasn't really got there. And I understand Shaq Evans is kind of their deep ball guy, but we've seen no slight to those guys, but you can find those dudes, right? Like you could, you can find the burners who can go down deep and they have a couple of big guys. And I understand like Schaefer Baker, that was an impressive week. I, I still don't, put him ahead of a couple of other guys that they have there, but that was a good week for, for, for Schaefer Baker, but he is not burned downfield, get a 60 yard pass and go for a touchdown. There is no Tyler Lockett on this team. I understand that. But when you get into those matchups again against Winnipeg, not that you always have a ton of time to throw deep, but you can't have the defense, especially one that good. You can't have Adam Big Hill just focused on one intermediate area on the football field because that's going to end up biting you. And this Saskatchewan team has had major struggles throwing the ball deep. And you'll still try it, and very rarely does it work, and then all of a sudden you're in second and ten, and that's not what this offense is built for. Also, William Powell was very good. One other note, uh, in the city that I live in, in Calgary, there is no quarterback controversy here. At least there shouldn't be. Bo Levi Mitchell just needs to play better. He is, by far and away, the better quarterback. Like, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind who the better quarterback is. But Bo hasn't played particularly well. And I, I do think there needs to be a few more chemistry things that get worked out and a bit more confidence for Bo to have in his receivers. But if Bo plays better, that there is no controversy, and I, I quite frankly don't believe that there should be one. Anyway, one more on football before we get to baseball. Uh, in college football, USC firing their coach a couple of weeks into the season. First off, I get last year went a little bit better than they thought it would, but if you are lacking that much confidence in your guy that you're firing him in week two, just fire him. Don't. Don't go through the offseason. Well, he had a good year. Oh, it's, it's it's two weeks in the season. Well, now we have to make a change. Just fire him and go through an entire coaching process and have a whole offseason because now it's a wasted year. And to waste years in college football is a very bad thing. Um, the thing that I push back on with this USC job is people saying, oh, well, this is still one of the top jobs in the country. Is it? Because no, it's not. And look, I, I get... There is one way that it is, in a sense that if you do get this program back to prominence, then this is one of the top two jobs in the country, right? Like it's, you turn this into Alabama and then USC. If, if, you, get, if you get the Trojans back to like back, back to, to prominence, then this is, yeah, one of the top two jobs in the country, but it's not there right now. They release a thing every year of the 
colleges that have the most um, players in the NFL, number one is obviously Alabama. They have enough to actually field a full roster, which would be an interesting roster to put together. Um, Second is Ohio State. Third is LSU. Fourth is Georgia. Fifth is Notre Dame. Other teams on this list, as we go down, uh, you have Iowa coming in at seven. You have, well, here, I'll just, I'll just list them off before I get to USC. How about that? Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Notre Dame, Clemson, Iowa, Florida, Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, the University of Miami Hurricanes, uh, UCLA, Washington, Florida State, Texas A&M, and USC. They are just one up on Stanford, two up on the other SC, the South Carolina Gamecocks, along with Wisconsin. They are five up on Temple and Utah. That's the area you're living in right now, if you are USC. Yes, there is much more room for upward mobility at USC than there is at Temple. I fully understand that and will fully admit that. But for USC to be thinking that you're hanging out in the same coaching areas in terms of job status as Alabama or LSU or Georgia or Clemson or Florida or a Michigan or an Oklahoma, not a chance. Or for that matter, a Penn State, where a lot of people are thinking they're going to get um, James Franklin from. I I don't get it. And again, if you get SC back, then, I mean, Pete Carroll is still living off of that. But that was 15 years ago. The Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Rose Bowl team that lost to Texas, that was a very, very long time ago. And... Since then, not a whole lot to show for for USC. That this is very much like the Texas and Miami. Every time they win a couple of games, oh, the U is back. Look at the hey, ranked 14th coming into the season. Curb stomp by Michigan. Hey, look, Texas is oh, they've already lost. Okay, great. It's fantastic to have been good a while ago, but the last time you were good, these kids that you were recruiting were. Three. UCLA. UCLA has more kids in the NFL right now than USC. Now, granted, it's by one, but still, it's UCLA compared to USC. And the UCLA job is not a better one than USC and probably won't ever be. But college football teams, for so long, just rest on the laurels of, well, we were very good for a long time. It's like, yeah, well, now you're not. And you, you can pull the Nick Saban. And get Alabama back to prominence because they had some lean years there for a little bit. And sometimes someone comes along and turns Clemson into a national power. But right now the college football landscape has blown USC by to a point where not even about like coaching jobs, just national relevance. How many primetime games USC getting this year? Because it's not a ton. It's probably more than Iowa. But Iowa's got 10 more guys playing on Sundays than USC does. So this whole, oh, well, this is a top job in the country. USC can just get whoever they want. Ah, no, they can't. And they haven't been able to for a while. And if this hire doesn't go well, they're not going to be able to for a long time either. Moving to the non-football portion of the show, Major League Baseball, the American League wildcard race got very interesting again this weekend. Boston takes care of business. Toronto takes two of three from Minnesota. Yankees. Record scratch moment. That loss on Sunday with Garrett Cole going against Cleveland. 
is about as bad of a loss as you're going to have this season from a Yankee perspective. That that's just that cannot happen. Um and I, I get they, they've had a lot of bad losses this year, and everyone has 162 games. The, the Blue Jays have had a ton as well. But the Yankees, like that, that is your guy. And it's not like there's a ton of dudes behind him. Severino's coming back. Who knows what he has? If, if I'm the Yankees, I'm putting him in the bullpen and just seeing what he can do um, in lay, in leverage situations. But that was that was the moment you pay Garrett Cole all of that money for. And to have him come up that flat is a real backbreaker from a Yankee perspective because now you're you only have a couple more Garrett Cole starts left this season. You need to win both of those, and now you need to win quite a few more. A game and a half to make up in a couple of weeks. Now they are head to head with the Blue Jays um, for a three game series, I believe next week. That's I mean that's the season, and if if the Yankees can stay within striking distance, which is where they are, a game and a half isn't a ton, but if they stay within striking distance of the Blue Jays going into that series, then there is still a chance. But that is about as demoralizing a loss as you can have in September to have your ace on the hill against a non-playoff team and to get shit kicked like that while the Blue Jays and Red Sox are off winning. That's a real rough one for the Yankees and going to be a tough one to bounce back from for them. That's going to do it for the program today. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Again, please remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. You can get in touch with the show. I am at PrimetimeKlein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. On Instagram, you can also find Wasted Talent. They provide the music for this show. They are at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. So it is at W-X-S-T-E-D-T-X-L-E-M-T. You can also find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. We had no idea. Podcast took a bit of a break last week as real life got very busy around here. But we will be back this week. Uh, might even have a couple of episodes. But who knows? But we're definitely going to have one. Uh, so check that one out. That's it for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Talk to you on uh, Wednesday. All right. I'm out.